data-driven podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Okay, welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. Today, we're going to discuss data-driven learning and development. Joining us is Christina Duarte, who's the Group Manager of Sales Learning Operations at Intuit. With a mission to make a positive impact, Intuit serves people and communities alike, offering a suite of essential financial solutions that include TurboTax, Credit Karma, Mint, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Today, Christina and I are going to discuss leveraging data to build learning experiences. Here's my conversation with Christina Duarte, the Group Manager of Sales learning operations at Intuit. Christina, thanks for joining us on the Data Driven Podcast today. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about building learning experiences. And can we start by framing the problem? What are some of the challenges in learning and development that you have in being data driven and proving the value of what you're doing? And then we can look at how we address that. Yeah. So when we think about data and we think about learning and development, Traditionally, there has been a suite of data that's looked at. Anything from, you know, net promoter score to does the learner like this? What's the satisfaction rate to completion rates? One area that in the research I've done is an opportunity to identify how does that translate to data-driven numbers? How do we know the impact that we're making with the content we're delivering is truly impacting our business in a way that speaks to growth and organizational development, backing that information. One of the things we've identified is, you know, it all starts at the beginning. A lot of times data can be seen as an afterthought on training, provide a higher training score than someone who didn't. What was the feedback on both? Do Is that an opportunity to have a, a conversation or like a 360 review with the learner to make sure that we're putting their needs first and they're getting what they need in regards to the delivery of the training? It's important that they see value in what they're doing. They're taking time away from their work to grow their career and become educated. And we want to make sure we support that and they continue to find the value. What's the cadence that you'd use in relation to when they do some training for surveying them? It's it's always an issue with survey fatigue and not over questioning them. How, How can we get that balance right? And what's a good timing to check in with learners and ask them what they thought? Yeah. And so I think that's a, a magic question. I think survey fatigue is is a very real thing. If you do it too much, you don't get what you need. And if you don't do it enough, you don't get what you need. So I think there's a, a couple of, of ways to approach it. Having a survey after every training, um, whether it be e-learning or instructor-led, and offering that I think is important. But I also think there's a, a follow-up of 30, 60, 90 day. A lot of times engagement on surveys is not very high because they do get survey fatigue. And so making that initial survey optional is a great way to start. 
And then looking and following up 30, 60, and 90 days after to get any additional feedback while continuing to reinforce the training. That's the key. You can't have a training event and not reinforce or coach or add any type of on-the-job training following it and then expect the learner to know what you're talking about when you send a survey 30 days later, especially since they're more than likely taking other training. And so it'd be very hard for them to, to keep up and remain engaged. And so following up, I think is extremely key. And then encourage, encouraging them to take the survey in the first place is also very important. What sort of completion rates do you see when you survey learners? Yeah, so it varies depending on the type of training. I think the trainings that are instructor-led um, have a higher engagement rate simply because you're engaging with a face-to-face -face person. They're asking you to complete the survey. The surveys are sent out in the moment and asked to be completed at the end of the training event. And so I think that, that those have higher engagement results as to where e-learning is a little bit on the lower end. Um, there's some, some ways to drive that engagement in which we're testing into because learner feedback is extremely important. But it's more of a, hey, I did the training. I'm going to I'm going to go back to to my job now. Thank you very much, which is also why measuring the data and being able to think about it in new and innovative ways is so important. You don't know what you don't know. And we still need to be able to make sure that the training is being effective. And so, yeah. OK, I like this idea of uh, integrating the follow up survey questions with follow-up support that actually provides value to the learners rather than just hitting them over and over again to ask some questions about an event that might be 90 days ago. Um, can you tell us some best practices for following up on, let's say we have a, a live training. We do a lot of live training at Story IQ, and sometimes we have follow-up built in. Sometimes we don't get the opportunity to do that. So we don't see what happens after we deliver to a client. So, can you tell us some suggested ways that we can make sure we get value from that pretty significant investment to get people in a room together, but doing it in such a way that it's not overwhelming and like, oh, this is slowing me down from actually doing the work. Yeah. So I think the key there is, is having it be within the workflow of the learner. And so ideally, if you're on the phone with a customer, you don't want to stop to answer an email about a training or it's not gonna be a priority for you because you have several hundred other things to do. I know I get hundreds of emails a day, both at work and, and personal, um, and it's very hard to keep up. And so being able to embed that into their workflow, whether it be in a internal communication chat, whether that be in a side water cooler type conversation that happens, embedding it in some of the tools that we use that they are constantly in for everyday work and making it quick and to the point. You can't send somebody a survey or questions in their workflow and have it be five questions long. Think about the top three things that you need to know. What is most critical for you in regards to getting that information? And then send that and then let it go. And then determine if follow-up is needed or if you're satisfied with the results and, and you have a clear path forward. Brilliant. So it sounds like in your case, you may have a system where they see their workflow and you can integrate it into that. So they're almost going to be guaranteed to see a few little nudges and things like that. That's the hope that the one day. <laughs> yeah. And so what we're looking at now is leveraging internal chat tools in order to provide um, little quick snippets of like reminders of what they learned on the job or quick little best practices to help support. 
So being able to embed that into chat system that they use internally or a sidebar within our sales system is definitely something longer term that we would def- we would be looking into. We're just not quite there yet in regards to, to that functionality. But today we do use the chat tool, we do use email, um, and we do have a set of sales enablement specialists that have very close personal relationships with a lot of our learners um, who consistently ask for feedback and information that we gather. And then of course we have our data, which is always a great tool as well. Okay, and that brings us to another possibility. You've got internal people training, supporting and coaching people after a formal training session. Do you also use them to collect some more subjective feedback through discussions, focus groups, any of those kind of techniques? We do, yes. We do leverage that information. And bringing everybody together into a room um, it's nice to see learners bounce things off of each other. You Sometimes you don't think about an event or an experience um, until somebody brings it up. And so being able to have them in a room, provide open discussion, and then being able to ask follow-up questions so we can clarify and really understand what the, what the root cause is of the feedback, whether it be what's going really well or what's not, is extremely important. Sometimes replies can be extremely vague. You're like, what does that mean? Most surveys are anonymous, and so it can be very difficult to reach out and dive into details so that we can address them, whether it be positive or negative. And yeah, on the data-driven podcast, we would say that this data collected through interviews and discussions whilst unstructured is every bit as much valuable data as Mm -hmm. the data that you could analyze in a spreadsheet and make a nice chart of. So we've looked at a number of different ways to gather data from pre-training assessments, post-training structured surveys, which as you say, tend to be anonymous, subjective feedback through discussion, focus groups, things like that, and then objective assessments of performance and the movement in performance done through all sorts of methods, including review of the actual work product produced. Now you touched on something that's very exciting to us, which is telling a story with it to drive action and actually do something with it, whether it's investing in more training, tweaking the training, maybe concluding that a particular program didn't work. And can you tell us how you weave all these different data elements together into a story that you can deliver to a decision maker? I think that's the most important part. I think sometimes as a data-driven individual, it's very easy to see in the data what you want to see and not let the data tell you the story. Um, It's very easy to see a red number and be like, oh my goodness, what's happened? How do we how do we figure a way around this? But that's really not a great way to go. It's not the way we should be going. And so being able to look at the various aspects of the KPIs and bringing that together has really allowed us to ensure we're focused on the most critical, not just for our learners, but for the business. And that all starts with our analysis and determining what is our training going to be teaching What do we want the learner to get out of this? How does it tie into our objectives? How does it tie into the skill check? And then how do we measure the application of that training through data and analytics, both qualitative and quantitative, to be able to give our senior leadership that story, that accurate story of of what's going really, really well and where we need to pivot in order to continue to drive the business forward. Okay, so coming full circle all the way back to the start of this podcast, the key is defining the objectives properly right from the very beginning so that after you deliver a training program and roll it out, 
you're not scrambling to pull in different data and make up the story as you go along. Ideally, I would think you would pre-agree with the stakeholders and decision makers what that objective criteria is right from the very beginning. And that's going to reduce a lot of the potential arguments, if you like, that could arise later on. Yes, definitely. And it's very much about let's agree on what those objectives are, but the how we're going to measure them. What does that look like? The how is just as important. And starting with the end in mind has really been able to drive that forward and allow us to measure in a way we haven't been able to measure before. Okay. Thanks for sharing with us on leveraging data to build learning experiences. I think that Thank kind of wraps up the first episode nicely. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Christina Duarte, Group Manager of Sales and Learning Operations at Intuit for joining us. Join us again tomorrow when Christina and I are going to discuss data-driven L&D evaluation. If you can't wait till our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Christina, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit her company website, intuit.com. A link in our show notes I want to tell you about, head over to datadrivenpod.com Dot com. We've got summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. My handle is at Bohan Dominic or visit us at storyiq.com. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. That's all for today. But remember, until next time, when it comes to data, less is more.